Welcome back to the Stoplight Approach Podcast, where brain science is made simple. I am your host, Sarah Ganger. Today on the podcast, we are discussing chapter 10 from the book Signals, and this chapter is on coaching, parenting for green. And here to discuss chapter 10 with me is my husband, Tim. Hi there. Hi. So this uh, chapter focuses on when our children are in green brain, and it's the perfect time to teach and train and coach and come alongside and help them build up some of those skills. Is there anything that kind of stuck out to you straight away from the chapter? I mean, yeah, I I think the idea, whole idea of coaching uh, is really important. I I was an athlete and played a lot of sports from when I was really young uh, up through uh, high school. And I think think what really got me was I can remember coaches that were really good and coaches that were really bad. Mm Mm-hmm. But what I think what really stuck out to me was uh, what it was written in the book, which is uh, relationships are first mm-hmm. and realizing how true that was when I was a student athlete mm-hmm. and the coaches that invested more in the relationship, you realize you respected more, you thought more highly of, you were more ready to do something different if they asked you to do something. Whereas, whereas I had other coaches that you made fun of behind their backs because you felt like you knew more than they did. You, they, they weren't really looking to really develop you. You were just kind of a, a, a cog in the machine. And when I was reflecting on that, I realized how, how just how true it is that the relationship is the most important thing in it and stuff. Let's all about the relationship. And so if, if we want to really engage with our children, really help them to grow and develop and really think in the long term, uh, I think coaching is a really helpful term in thinking through how, how do we want our children to develop? How do we, what, what kind of goal would we want them to have? I'm not necessarily as a, a career or anything like that, but just um, is our goal engagement? Is our goal enjoyment? Um, is our goal connection? And then working towards those things, coaching towards those things, uh, which when you're in Green Bay, you can really do that. And and I just think that when when I was reading that, that made so much sense to me uh, as a, a way to really think through what am I trying to accomplish um, as a parent when my child's in their their peak ability to to learn and grow as well. I want to move them um, in the long-term direction of relational intelligence and empathy and engagement. And those are all things that, that you can start really young and help them as they can develop uh, through those things to get towards those um, really, really important um, emotional intelligence and relational kind of goals. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, that that whole idea of like the long term um, mindset, you know, kind of the idea of like what do we want to develop in our mm-hmm. children, and realizing that you know that is not going to happen overnight, you know, right. and not even next week or next month, you know, that we're talking years long development, and mm-hmm. so um, 
having that long view, I think really helps when you Mm -hmm. think about coaching. Um, one thing that stood out to me was she talks about, um, how stoplight is not permissiveness. Mm. And I feel like that was one of my big hangups when we first kind of started learning about this approach is because it felt so much like being permissive because we weren't using, we were, we're trying not to use fear or guilt or shame. Mm-hmm. Um, we were trying not to have these like kind of harsher consequences like spanking or timeout, you know, we're trying to get away from those things. And at the same time, it felt like, okay, well, what, what am I actually doing then? Like I'm just sort of letting them get away with everything. And in reality, it just required, what it required for me was just a mindset shift. You know, it's not that I'm letting them get away from, from everything. I'm just handling their misbehavior differently. Yeah than I was before. So it's not that um, I'm just letting them do whatever they want. It's that I'm actually just taking the tools that I used to used to use, I'm putting them down and I'm picking up new tools. And that just felt really uncomfortable and awkward at first. Um, and so I was really glad that she kind of like addressed that, that it's, it's not permissiveness, but it is going to feel a little bit awkward as we put down some of the old tools mm-hmm. that we've been using that possibly we experienced as children growing up and, and picked up the, picking up these new tools. Mm-hmm. Um, she talks about, you know, different things that you can use to kind of respond um, to these kind of situations where our kids don't do the right thing. What was one of the tools that kind of stuck out to you? Yeah. I I think one of the tools that really struck out to me, and I think what you were talking about really resonated because I I think when when we look through uh, this list of them, there's a lot of these that we kind of look at and kind of scratch our heads. There don't sound like the normal Mm -hmm. parenting mentality that, uh, that we can so often have. And so I think the one that's um, felt at the time felt really, really strange to me was natural consequences. Mm. And I think because the way that we were parenting at the time, there was one consequence for everything, mm. or maybe, maybe there were two consequences, but th- that was it. Like I, I didn't have to think about what, kind of consequence had happened well this is what we did this is and this is you know this was our discipline Mm -hmm. and i I think that natural consequences and sorry just real quick by discipline you mean punishment yeah yeah sorry i mean yeah punishment yeah (laughs) So, like you say discipline with like air quotes because it wasn't actually discipline right it was punishment right and so natural consequences though i remember thinking myself that sounds so ridiculous because i was just used to one thing one size fits all but as we started doing it, it made so much more sense to me to, to look at the situation. And if there does need to be a consequence, it should be something which flows out of that situation. Mm-hmm. So it should be related to that. It shouldn't have n- nothing to do with whatever occurred. Mm-hmm. Instead, it should be directly tied in. Mm-hmm. 
And what I started to notice is that, that yes, I had to think about it. I really had to figure out, you know, what would a natural consequence be? But it's, it seemed to me that it was actually really helpful in terms of coaching because it made sense that I could connect um, not this issue to some type of, you know, punishment, but as much as there's a consequence for this action. And I think that that was just really helpful for me to understand how these things tie together. And I think it was really helpful for our kids to understand that these two things are interrelated with one another rather than this, um, even though it sounds like it's normal, this more abstract kind of punishment thing that actually just says this was wrong, but doesn't have any actual relationship to the problem that's occurred. Yeah. Yeah. Um, natural consequences were one that, you know, was kind of hard for me to wrap my head around as well. But once I, you know, once we sort of let it, letting those chips fall where they may, you know, as they say, like, you know, if you marked on the wall, well, then you have to clean it up, you know, mm-hmm. so let's get a, let's get a rag and let's, you know, wipe it out or whatever. Um, what I, what I saw actually is that kids learn that like, oh, actions have consequences. And so I need to think a little bit more before I do an action. And Mm -hmm. that, that takes a long time. But if you're consistent and saying like, oh, this was the action, here's the consequence. This is what needs to happen in order to kind of like repair or, or mend this, this situation. Um, eventually they do like they start to grasp like oh let me you know think a little bit more about what i'm doing before Mm -hmm. um before i do that um another one that was a huge shift for me was learning through play that kind of like Mm -hmm. playful Mm -hmm. redirection i feel like this one came a little bit more naturally to you yeah because you are more naturally playful Mm -hmm. um you kind of find it easy to kind of turn things into a game or kind of have a little um, kind of joke or or whatever. But for me, it was um, really hard to Mm. kind of change my approach to, to playfulness. And um, I remember like when our kids were really small, one thing that we used to do was play games trying to like learn these skills. So Mm, we had a game that we called right way, wrong way. Mm -hmm. And we would do something the wrong way, whether that was like take something from someone without asking or, you know, Hmm. kind of Mm -hmm. um, hit something out of somebody's hand, just knock it out of their hand. That was the wrong way. And then we would do it the right way. And then we'd say, may I have that, please, Mm. and wait for them to hand it to us or, um, and, and it was so strange to me to like, to, to kind of have these playful moments and teach through play. But at the same time, once again, I saw the impact. Like I saw that eventually Mm -hmm. as we had these playful moments when everyone was just having fun, Mm -hmm. we were all Mm -hmm. in green brain, we were learning to play, um, or we were learning these skills through play. Mm -hmm. It did make a big impact eventually. Was there anything else that kind of stuck out to you from the list that she gave as far as coaching? 
Um, I think the only other one that, I mean, uh, th these are all really great and important, but I think th looking back, things that were difficult uh, to learn in the beginning, but then also were, I think, paid really big dividends was the redo. Mm. And I think once again, it was hard because redo requires you, <laughs> me, to be in green brain, to be able to help our kids to understand what was wrong and then the right way to do it. But I think that it paid massive dividends because one is the kids didn't want to have to take the time away to do a redo. I mean, when there's four kids and in our family and then they all do something, well, then everybody's got to you know, get back in the car or get back in line or get, get back, whatever it was. And that just takes some time to make happen. And then they they learn though through the redo what was the right thing to do and then they actually do it mm -hmm. and i think that's the key is they actually do it the right way so you really do know and they really do know the wrong way and the right way to do it and, and the redo is so helpful because it gives them a, a physical way most of, you know, most of this, especially with younger kids, is, is, is a physical activity. And so that that body-brain memory really helps to etch in what the right thing is to do. And then it's also easy way to remind, oh, do you, hey, do you remember last time we this happened? Do you remember how we practiced the right way to do it? Okay, let's make sure we do it the right way this time. And because you did it, you did a redo it oftentimes makes that next time easier and then the next time after that easier. And then what often you find is that problem's gone away. And it's a pretty remarkable thing to think about instead of having the same problem over and over and over again is the redo allows you to actually build the neural pathway the right direction it's supposed to go. And I think it was hard because... I didn't want to do it all the time. Um, I didn't want to put forth the effort. And, and yet, I think what we did see is that it did really genuinely help our kids. Yeah. Yeah, the redo was really important. And it's it's funny because even now when our kids are big, there are, there are still moments where I'm like, do you want to try that again? Um, just it doesn't, you know, it's it's not stern or we don't make it a big deal. No. But there, there are still moments where I'm like, oh, you know, let's try that one again. Just, you know, and we'll have them say say something mm -hmm. again with respect or um, just have them, you know, hand something gently to a sibling rather than sort of like haphazardly like tossing it across the room. Um, so e to this day, you know, we still use redos to kind of – practice those good habits and um, reinforce the that those neural pathways that we're trying to build, you know, where we're using like safe and healthy and respectful language and actions. Um, one of the, the scripts stuck out to me because the one that we still use to this day is, is that helpful or hurtful? Mm -hmm. And that was from Becky Bailey, um, mm -hmm. Conscious Discipline. But it's one that we learned pretty early on mm -hmm. when our mm -hmm. kids were little. And that was a script that we, we still use to this day. Is that helpful or hurtful? Mm -hmm. um, 
whether that is words, helping our kids evaluate their words, are those words helpful or hurtful, um, or actions, Mm -hmm. you know? And so that's when I still, I still find myself saying from time to time, um, just to, as, as a check for us, like we want our words and our actions to be helpful, Mm -hmm. um, to one another and not hurtful. And so it's still something that we use to check in, um, she made a point sort of kind of right in the middle of the chapter that I just wanted to be sure to draw out was this idea that even in green brain, our children can misbehave. Mm. Um, so being in green brain doesn't mean that our kids are going to act perfectly all the time Mm -hmm. because they still have brains that are developing prefrontal cortexes that don't, always know how to evaluate every decision and and make the right ones and so um there's still going to be moments of just child childishness you know where they our kids will be kids and they Mm -hmm. kind of just make um decisions without thinking through the whole way of what what's going to happen at the end of this and being able to recognize okay, this wasn't a moment meant to hurt me Mm -hmm. or to destroy anything. This was a moment that they were just caught up in being kids and doing their children things that they do Mm -hmm. and just weren't able to think through all the way logically to the end. I think that's so important um, to keep in mind because otherwise it's easy to assign like kind Mm -hmm. of motives that just aren't there. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, um, is there anything else from this chapter that you wanted to talk about? I'm not really. Um, I think I would just give an encouragement that, uh, you know, don't try to do all of these at once. Yeah. Uh, instead I would just really encourage you to, you know, kind of read over those kind of like you were saying, there might be one or two that maybe you're just maybe a little bit better at on the get go. Than others, I think you were way better at the redos than I was at the very beginning uh, because I feel like I had to watch you over and over again to see how to do it uh, with our kids. And so I I think, though, that uh, these are all really great tools to use. And I think that 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 the goal is hopefully um, maybe you go through this podcast through reading the book is that you can uh, get coached and encouraged uh, to to use them. But um, I just encourage you to start with with one or two. And, and really um, work on those and kind of evaluate those and you know, maybe talk if, if you can that where you're, whoever you're kind of maybe co-parenting with or if there's somebody who you can work through this with, just maybe get a little bit of feedback from that. How did that go? Um, not once again, not to condemn, but because you're lear- we're learning too. And um, I think that that's really helpful and keeps us from being uh, overwhelmed and think, you know, I've got to be perfect at all these things rather than uh, just kind of building out the tools in our tool belt. Yeah, that's really helpful. Like thinking about, you know, depending on what what your background is and how you were parented, um, the these things are going to feel pretty uncomfortable at mm-hmm. first because learning a new skill always is uncomfortable. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It always feels awkward. It always feels like, am I I this I I don't know how to do this. Am I doing yeah. this right? And so. It's always better just to kind of try to pick up one at a time, you know, or maybe two and just incorporate that. Um, So that's, yeah, that's really, really good advice. Um, 
one thing that I realized I wanted to say about the drawing, drawing close, like proximity, mm. keeping your kids close. Um, one thing that I remember from when we kind of first learned about stoplight and our kids were really, really small was just the difference it made when, you know, I, I put my phone down. I didn't have any technology Mm. around, you know, there were no distractions and I was just near to them kind of like present with Mm -hmm, them. mm -hmm. And it did help me to be able to notice those moments when, okay, I think, you know, there might be some conflict brewing. I think that there might be something going on here. And because I wasn't distracted by anything else and I was close by them, I could attend to that Mm. and kind of coach them through those moments before it turned into, you know, a yellow or a red brain moment. And so that idea of like proximity, um, kind of like putting down the distractions and drawing your kids close. And, um, I had one, I remember for, for quite a while, there was one child that I would just always bring into the kitchen to make dinner with me. Mm -hmm. It was like Mm -hmm. just sort of a habit. Okay. It's time to, and it wasn't a punishment. It wasn't a, okay, you have to come with me now. It was a, Hey, come on and help me because Mm -hmm. I knew that at that moment that that was best for that child to be near to me. And so I just invited them in to say, Hey, like, come on in and help me with dinner. Um, and they learned a new skill by helping mm-hmm, me do whatever mm-hmm. I was doing. We got to spend some time together. And then I also knew that they would be a little bit, you know, there would be a little bit of distance, which mm-hmm, is what was necessary mm-hmm. at that kind of right. time with those relationships. So, um, so yeah, that one was also really helpful. But I think you're right. Like whatever, um, you, you know, whatever one you want to kind of work on and focus on, just just pick that one and just try to incorporate it as much as you can. Um, realizing that we're going to mess up and we're going to make mistakes. And so it's just about kind of going back and trying again as we're, as we're learning this new thing. So next week we will talk about chapter 11 and we look forward to, um, chatting with you then. If you have any questions, please do send them in to podcasts at thestoplightapproach.org and we will do our best to answer them. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Stoplight Approach podcast. Please share, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast as it will help other people to find us. The Stoplight Approach offers many resources to help families, schools, churches, and other groups to grow in their understanding of the brain and relationships, please visit www.thestoplightapproach.org to learn more.